life isn't going all that great, maybe it hasn't been a great start to your 2024 yet, but because of the great love of our God and how much He cares deeply, your God, the God who created everything, cares deeply about your life, about your relationships, about your heart. If it's on your heart, it matters to the heart of our God. And because of His great love and His great power, He can make radical change. Bring help, bring hope, bring healing, bring peace, bring joy, bring restoration, provision, blessing, and favor because of the great love of God. Can we just be grateful for God's amazing love? And church, we love you so much. Hey, can we welcome all of our church family that's watching online, our online community, and especially the men of Lansing Correctional. We love you so much. And I'm pumped this, this Thursday, guys. I'm there in the flesh Thursday night. We're bringing the team out. We're gonna have some church on the maximum side. We're gonna have a maximum church experience. It's gonna be great. Awesome, if you haven't been out in a couple weeks, Happy New Year to you. Say hi to your neighbor, grab your seat. We've been in 21 days of prayer and fasting. I'm hungry for a move of God, oh no and also just hungry. Uh, but it's, it's been a beautiful time of prayer. Hey, I, I get it, the weather's been crazy. Uh, we had a prayer on a Friday morning where we should have canceled because we slid on in to prayer. Uh, put you all in danger, I get the weather, it's been wild, but I'm just gonna say this. Hey, you maybe missed out on the first couple weeks, maybe uh, snuck up on you, maybe it's your first time at church in a while. Hey, this week, we got one week left. What could God do this week? Just one week, what could your God do. I don't know about you, I wanna find out. I wanna find out, if you haven't ever fasted, get in on a fast. You can determine what that is for you. What can you lay aside, some good things, some distractions, or uh, just, just give more time and attention to God, and then we up our prayer. If you can't be here 6 a.m. tomorrow morning, or maybe at the four o'clock as we pray, uh, four o'clock down south, uh, gives us plenty of time to watch the Chiefs win. Hello, amen, God's will. Um, Come out Wednesday night, this Wednesday night, right here. We have youth going on, we've got kids. Uh, we're gonna seek the face of God together, and I believe we're gonna have an amazing God encounter. And so if you can't get to anything else, get out this Wednesday night, cancel your plans, make plans to be here. And I'm telling you, we're gonna believe and contend for a move of God in our church, but in your life as well. I would love to pray over you and what you're believing for for the year as well. Hey, we kicked off this year. Um, Talking about kingdom culture, just the way that God works in our world are principles of the kingdom. That when we work according to the kingdom, our life actually begins to work. If you wonder why your relationships maybe haven't been working, well there might be some kingdom answers, some culture of the kingdom answers in your life. And that's why we even named our fast, our fast is, is a holy ground fast, but it's a kingdom first fast that we're going after the kingdom of God above all else. It is priority in our life. We kicked off the very first Sunday of the year uh, just talking about that Jesus is our culture, that in the kingdom of God and in the culture of this church, our aim, our desire, our heart is that we would look more like Jesus. That's being a real disciple. Last week, Liz brought a phenomenal word talking about destiny is a daily decision. 
in the kingdom, you don't just wake up to all the God opportunity one day. No, it is everyday devotion that God develops you and builds you. Then all of a sudden, when you, when you don't see it coming, in your everyday faithfulness, there's God promotion when you have daily devotion. And today, I want to speak to, I think that's something that is attacking the nation, the world, and every church. In fact, in America, it's running prevalent. There's this, this spirit of disunity and fighting there's alienation and disconnection. I want to speak about a kingdom culture principle that I believe God will use to radically change your life as we talk about unity is our strength. It's what we believe in the kingdom of God, that we're only as strong as we are united. And the kingdom functions through this thing called unity. We're going to see it in the scripture. I think it's going to speak to your heart that not only is unity something that God desires, it's actually something that Jesus mandates. It is a command from King Jesus. If he's gonna be king in your life, then we are going to work for, believe for, and fight for unity. We're not gonna fight with each other. We're gonna fight for the future God has for us. We're not gonna fight to hold on to yesterday. We wanna believe for what God has in our, in our future. We're gonna believe the best, we're gonna speak life over each other. We're gonna stay out of the way of gossip, backbiting, and division because what we are working on and what we are believing for is far too important to let the enemy win in our lives by giving any place for disunity, for pride, for jealousy, for strife to poison our hearts. We believe that unity gives us strength. Can we pray? Would you join me in prayer? Come on. Father God, we thank you. Those online, those at Lansing, those in the room, that you've united us together for a common calling. We're all from different backgrounds, but we serve the same King, the same Heavenly Father, and he desires for his children and for his church to walk in unity. Because in that place of unity, things just begin to flow supernaturally, beyond our own ability. And so, Lord, we can make unity a choice and a decision every single day. And we're choosing today to let go of some things and grab a hold of some God things so that the culture of this church and the culture of our life can be the culture of the kingdom. And that's the culture of unity in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? You know, we are called the United States of America. On our currency, it says one nation under God. And I love what the founding fathers, that they, they built our nation on this belief that we've got to stay united and we've got to stay under God. The truth is this. We know that our nation is far from that. It's not been that way for a long, long time. And yet, as much as I love our nation, in this election year, we have an opportunity to show unity like never before to a world that is fighting and tearing each other down. It's the believers in the culture of the kingdom that build each other up. We can show the world a kingdom way because that's the kingdom culture. But in a world that is fighting, we have an opportunity to show a drastically different way. But not only can we see it in, in our, our church, but I believe it will bleed out into our city. I think it will impact our state. I think it can change our nation and it can touch the world. Because anything the enemy means for destruction, God can turn around for good. And so we Although we can be grateful to be in this nation, if you've been in other nations, you should be grateful for this one. And we can fight for the future of America. Ultimately, listen, we have a king and a kingdom. 
that is so much greater than this. And he wants to establish his culture as the way that our life works. Genesis chapter 11, there's kind of this crazy story. How many of the Old Testament's got a whole lot of crazy stories? So does the New Testament. Jesus walking on water, crazy story. But Old Testament, especially the book of Genesis, there's some real crazy stuff in there. And I think it takes some faith to believe. Some people will say that the first portion of Genesis, uh, because it is poetic in nature, it's just allegorical. It's just kind of telling a story of how things might have worked or to us to understand the creation. I, for one, just believe it's actual, it's factual, and it's applicable to our lives. I believe it's actually historical because if we can believe that Jesus is the Son of God who was immaculately conceived and lived a perfect life, died for the sins of humanity, rose from the grave, and is coming again. If you can believe that, what can't you believe? And there's this story that we actually see a negative part of unity. But it will show us a kingdom principle that is powerful and applicable to our lives. Genesis chapter 11. It says, now the whole world had one language and a common speech. And as the people moved eastward, what was west? Eden. What was west? Uh, Adam and Eve. And as they sinned and were moved out of the garden, they begin to move on their own eastward. And do you know that God's plan is to take us that are moving away and bring us back to his original intent? And so they says that they, they, they settled in this place. They found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That would be modern day Iraq. That would be historical Babylon in that place. And even think about this, you know that, that Abram became Abraham the original follower of God, the first in the faith. He actually left Ur, which was Babylon, and went back west towards that place of God's promise and God's potential. That's what God is looking for, for us, that even though we're in this world, we're not of this world. And the world might be pulling us away to disunity, to strife, to fighting, to prejudice, to alienation, to attacking each other for political ideals, but the kingdom, God calls us out of that world and in back to his original intent, back into his, his kingdom. And they said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they used bricks instead of stone, tar for mortar. In other words, there's a technological advancement and God's not bad, mad at them building a different way. God's not even mad about them building a tower. What God comes and says is wrong is their intention in their building. They were building something for self instead of living their life, surrendered to his, to his plan. And they said, come, let us build a city for ourselves with the tower that reaches to the heavens so that we make a name for ourselves so we can be elevated so we can be exalted, so it could be about us. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Now, God could see anything and everything from anywhere. You know you messed up when he's coming down in person. How many know parents out there when he says, hey, don't make me come down there. I will turn this car around. So that's what God does, he shows up. And the Lord says, if as one people, listen, powerful principle, one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, oh, then nothing that they plan to do will be what? Impossible for them. Wow, the power of unity. This is for a selfish purpose. And we flip it on its head, do the algebraic equation in reverse, oh, we can use this for a, a kingdom, a kingdom purpose. 
So God came down and said, oh, they're, 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 they're not worshiping me. They're worshiping technology. They're worshiping their advancement. They're worshiping their status. They're worshiping their growth, their momentum, their, their wealth, their possessions, how great they are as a, a people. This is what I love about fasting is that you strip away some things that aren't even necessarily bad so that you can get in on what is great. What is great? He says what they plan to do if they're in unity, will it's possible. There's nothing impossible if they get together. And I would love for you to take notes. I got a couple thoughts about why unity gives us strength and why it is so important in the kingdom of God, why it is so important in your marriage, why it is so important in your friendships and your relationships. It gives you a supernatural strength. But if you are taking notes, which if you haven't been taking notes, let me just give you a New Year's resolution for 2024, three weeks in. You will be a note taker this year because that is the plan and will of God. It's in the scripture somewhere. And you can find it on your own. <laughs> unity, listen, unity unlocks the impossible. That's what God says, that when they get united to do something about themselves, for themselves, it, nothing's impossible. How many know that the people who are even far from God, when they get dedicated and teamed up with the right people, can accomplish great things? They can climb Mount Everest. They can build the wall of China. They can, they can do incredible things. It's a principle of working together in partnership. And in the kingdom, we work for something that's eternal and something that's significant. Unity unlocks the impossible. Unity is so important, and it is easy to lose. It's hard to keep. Why? We're born selfish. Come on, we're just like those that settled in the place of Shinar. We're just like those that, that are looking out for self and significance we're born selfish, but we're born again and being redeemed and renewed and our minds changed to be selfless. And it's not that we don't have anything for ourselves, or we never think about ourselves. We just think about ourselves less. That's the spirit of humility. And that's what God honors. It's because it's easy for us to point out where everyone else is going wrong instead of adjusting and changing what is going on in us and living for what is, what is right. So unity must be what? Intentionally created and protected. Because unity, what? It unlocks the impossible. That's what Jesus says in Matthew 19, that by ourselves we can't accomplish things. We cannot get saved. We can't, we can't change our life. But he says that with God, with man it's impossible, but with, with God all things are possible. There's that passage in Ecclesiastes 3 that you commonly hear at weddings. It talks about, hey, when one is fighting a battle by themselves, they could be defeated. But when two get together, they're not easy to take out. There's power in fighting together, not against each other, but for something. And then it says a three-braided cord is not easily broken. And of course, in a wedding ceremony, we're talking about the bride and the husband and God intertwined. But I believe it also works for our life as church and as believers, that your life and our life as a, as a community of faith as people living for the purpose of heaven, when we get intertwined with God's plan, when we get united together and with him, we're stronger, that it produces strength. I think about the Nehemiah story of the rebuilding of the walls of Jerusalem. God's place of inhabitation on the earth had been destroyed by the enemy. And there they are showing up to pick up the pieces. And in 52 days of dedication and unity, they did the impossible. They rebuilt the walls. 
Now, there's no known miracle in that Old Testament story. It's just the power of unity did something impossible. You know, it says that each and every family owned their spot on the wall, that every family had their part to play, to protect from the enemy, to, 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 to encourage one another, and to build what God was wanting to build. This is why it is so important for us not to have any weak links in our life and even in our leadership or for us to encourage one another, for us to be united together because what we're building is a place where God shows up and does something significant. At Kingdom City, we believe the humility and selfless unity that we're building to shine the glory of God. In Babel, they wanted to glorify themselves. For us, Jesus says, you're a city on a hill. I wanna build you together to shine the light of the gospel to the world around you. This is why it's so important that we unlock this impossible thing that God's called us to do by the power of unity. You know, the kingdom of God, it's not, it's not a decathlon. It's not one superstar doing all of the events on their own for their own personal gold medal. No, it's a, it's a team sport. It takes all of us. Tonight in the Chiefs game. Now I'm speaking right now. Oh, oh now I'm paying attention. <laughs> oh, you spoke to my heart. There's different positions, right? Different people, different backgrounds. You know, they're like a brotherhood, those guys. But they don't come from the same hood. They didn't go to the same colleges. They didn't have the same upbringing. But they have a common goal. The, 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 the logo on the front of the jersey, on the helmet, is more important than the name on the back. They all have different parts to play. But there's only, listen, there's only one goal line. I know there's two. There's one that they're going towards, and there's one that they're protecting. It's the same with unity for you and I. There's something that we protect we don't let the enemy in our house. And we are taking this to that house. We are going to move the mission forward. There's one goal line. Even though there's 50 plus players on the team, 11 on the field at one time, they are working together for a common goal. To go and get a win over Buffalo in Jesus' name. Okay, that's the loudest amen of the year. My gosh, idolatry. You need to fast and pray. Can one player make a mistake that hurts the team? Yeah. Have we seen that this year a lot? Yeah. 38 drop passes later, yeah. But no one play wins or loses the game. We might say that. Oh, that cost us the game. Definitely there's pivotal moments where we could swing the game, a uh, score could swing in the balance. But do you know, on average, in an NFL game, there's 153 plays a game. It's a team effort. It's not one play. It's not one person. It's the collective effort of the entirety of the team. Unity, listen, is not sameness. It's not uniformity in everything. You do not want your defensive end throwing the football. You do not want your kicker rushing the quarterback. It takes skilled positions in different places, and every single one playing the part. Different goals, different people, different abilities, same goal line. Same area that we're going towards. I want you to understand and write this down that unity pushes purpose further and farther. Unity pulls out your potential. It actually multiplies your own ability. 
You might have heard this before, but the Belgian plow horse. I'm not from the country, but I understand this because I read it online. <laughs> They're like Clydesdales. You know, they deliver the Budweiser by the wagon to your, to your life. That's a horrible joke. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> a normal Belgian plow horse by itself, listen, extremely strong animal, beast of burden. 8,000 pounds it can pull. That's amazing. By himself. You team it up, get two of them together, you yoke them together. That's why the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. You get up with the, the right people. But if you're yoked, just two. Two uh, of these horses that have never met each other. You just put them together. They're not going to pull 8,000. They're not going to pull 16. That's what we would think. No, there's like multiplication that happens. They actually pull 24,000 pounds. There's something about it. In fact, when you yoke up two that don't know each other, they're kind of fighting for who can do the best. Come on, they're, they're, they're saying, who is the alpha here? You pull, I'll pull, and we'll go as far as we can, and they go farther. It increases. It, it, it brings it a 3x from the original. It's the power of synergy. But there's another thing called a matched pair. A matched pair are two horses normally bred at the same time, normally grew up together, were trained together, we're out in the field together. If you will, I don't know how much, I, know, I don't really know much about horse community, but they did life together. They're the same size, same age. They might be brother and brother, brother and sister. When you team up a matched pair, it isn't 24,000 pounds. It's 32,000 pounds they can pull. Four times of what one can do alone. It's a natural principle of a spiritual truth that when you get linked up with the right people, with the right goal, with the right yoke or burden, that it's actually a 4X multiplication. But I also believe the opposite is true, that when you allow some people that have disunity, some people that aren't for what you're for, that don't have the same goal line, they might even look like you, act like you, might even be in the same family as you. But when you're teamed up with the wrong pair, it doesn't 4X, I think it shrinks your ability. I think it divides. That you're not able to go at your full potential. And so I don't even know if we need to like foster unity as much as we just need to acknowledge and listen, avoid the enemies of unity unresolved disagreements, lack of shared purpose, gossip and pride, selfishness and ego, critical and cynical opinions. We're not speaking life. We're not bringing encouragement. Oh, is there a place for correction? You better believe it. So much of the passages of the scripture, so much even of your time with God is gonna bring correction and change. Iron sharpens iron, so we're gonna have some conflict to get our edge right. But the truth is it's to produce something that brings victory into our life. We just need to foster the things that produce and avoid the things that steal. Psalms 133 is a, probably the best known passage about unity in the Bible. It's this short little psalm that just talks about how blessed it is when people get together in unity, how much God loves it, how much God anoints it, how much God does something significant in our unity. And normally we break this out when there's disunity and strife. But what you're actually going to see, it's not like a remedy for what ails us. It's actually a recipe for revival. Look at this. It says this, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony 
Our unity is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured on Aaron's head. That's the high priest that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robes. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew of Mount Hermon and falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, and there the Lord has what? He has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. God does something eternal. God pours out his anointing. God pours out his blessing on their um, behavior, on their Bible knowledge, on their sacrifice, on their hard work, rise and grind. No, on their, on their unity. He says, I want to bless where there is unity and even life everlasting. And aren't we the people that believe what we contend for is the eternal? This is why we can get over offenses with people real quick because this is not gonna last forever. What lasts forever is people that are devoted to God, people that have found Jesus. This is why as a church, we gotta realize what we are fighting for our goal line to bring salvation to Kansas City and this world is so significant that we can't be fighting with our brothers and sisters because it will diminish the everlasting and it will stop the flow of God's anointing. This is why it unleashes us the ability to do the impossible and pulls us and pushes us into the greater purpose and the potential that God has for us. Because you can honestly dwell in the same place but not be together. Come on, every husband and wife knows what that is like at some point in your life. That you can be in the same place but not be of the same heart. The Hebrew word there for dwell in Psalms 133 is yeshap, which means to inhabit and remain. And there's power in showing up in God's house, if you will, and remaining. There's power in being steady and being faithful and just continuing to show up. But the power is really released when we're not just in the same place, but we're together. The Hebrew word there is yakad, which means union and unitedness. Because you could be in the same place, but not of the same heart. You could be in this house, but not have that kingdom first heart that says we're in this thing together. In Jesus' last prayer meeting, according to the Gospel of John, I mean, Jesus' last prayer with his disciples, it's pretty powerful. It's the longest recorded prayer, John, John, John chapter 17. Longest recorded prayer in the entire Bible. Five times. He prays for the same exact thing. Now you think about the purpose and the, the priority of your last prayer on the earth. I mean, that's a pretty important prayer. Jesus got one last time to pray with them and to teach them about prayer. One last thing for him to express, hey, this is God's heart. This is my heart as your savior. About ready to go to the cross. Let me show you what's important to God, what's important to me. This is what I am praying for. Five times in one chapter he says, same request. Make them one. God, unite them. Make them one. Make them one. Make them one. Unity is a big deal to Jesus. It is no wonder that the enemy wants to divide our families, our homes, our lives, our church, our nation, because he wants to stop the blessing and the anointing that God produces when we all have the same goal line, when we dwell together and we dwell together with the same heart and same spirit. I love that we have an opportunity. How many of you ever had Jesus answer a prayer in your life? Come on, raise your hand. Okay, how many are born-again believers? Okay, then Jesus has answered a prayer. The biggest prayer of all. Has he not? You literally prayed, God, forgive me. I receive your grace. I turn and repent from my old ways. God, I'm going after you. 
And God says, you are forgiven for forever, the eternal. Come on, and celebrate that. When's the last time you answered one of Jesus' prayers? You can every day. Like Liz preached on, destiny is a daily decision. Every day we have this decision called unity. We have it when we show up at work. We have it when we're dealing with problematic people in our lives. We have it when we show up at church. We have this opportunity to answer a prayer that Jesus prayed five times in his final prayer. You know, as a, as a, as a parent, every, every parent, especially you got older kids, you get this. I've got three, uh, Liz and I, we have three kids, and, and we have a 10-year-old, I'm sorry, 12-year-old and a 9-year-old, almost 10. And um, boy and girl, uh, normally decently kind to each other. Um, they get that from their mother. Uh, but every once in a while, they're at each other. Come on, everyone knows what that's like. You got more than one kid, you know what that's like. Like, why is the delineation part of the car seat in the back? Why is the delineation of the seat so dang important to you? They're on my side. They ate the last muffin. And I'm just like, I can get you more muffins. What I can't get is my peace of mind back. Quit fighting over that. But it's all the time, right? And it's over the smallest stuff in the grand scheme of their life it does not matter. There will be more car rides and more muffins in your future. <laughs> but they're fighting over something that really isn't significant. But Liz is always teaching them and training them, and I've been doing it as well. This says, hey, we're gonna walk in unity. We're gonna forgive one another. We're gonna, we're gonna be for one another. And, and when you're older, listen, she always says this, says, when you're older, you're gonna be best friends. We're gonna have, you're gonna be best friends for the rest of your life, so let's get over that now. This isn't that big of a deal. But they're immature. Why? Because they're kids. They're immature, so they're going to fight over dumb stuff. How many know as believers we can be immature? Come on. We, we, Maturity is not an age. It's a mindset as a disciple. It's a decision. Destiny is a daily decision that you make. It's a heart attitude. And if you want to really grow up and grow into your high calling and your purpose and to be on a team, even at Kingdom City Church, that has been sent here by God to change the world around it, then you're going to have to choose maturity, which is choosing unity. Joshua 24, verse 15. Joshua tells the whole nation, hey, you can do whatever you want. It's your choice. But as for me and my house, we me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The power of we. He says, y'all can do what you want, but you want to know what I'm going to do? Me and my crew, we are going to serve God. We're going to fight for what's right. We're not going to fight with each other. We've got walls in Jericho that need to come down. We've got Philistines that need to get out of here. We want to fight for the promised land. We like to say here at Kingdom City that people are the promised land. That's what we're continuing. That's the goal line, because that's the eternal. And so what do we say? We don't have time to fight over this stuff. We have something to fight for that is eternal and significant. It's the hearts of people far from God. I love it, though, when my kids do, do love each other, serve each other, bless each other. Every once in a while, Probably more often than, than I did as a kid, to be honest. 
generational, it's getting better. They just prefer one another. They'll encourage one another. Graham was like, he had an opportunity to go to a friend's house today, but my, my, my daughter, she, she's got a soccer game after church. And he's like, no, I want to go cheer on my sister. <laughs> it ain't your birthday yet, but what do you want? <laughs> it just melts your heart as a, as, as a parent, doesn't it? I think that's how our father feels too. Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. Matthew chapter six starts out the prayer with our father, our Abba father, the most close knit heart cry of a child to a dad. Now, was he the disciples father? Of course, we know he's the father of all things, right? Giver of life. That's Jesus's dad. That's, he's the one and only son of God. But he's teaching, hey, let me teach you a secret. This is our father. This is, we're in this thing. We, we, we are a family. And the enemy's strategy is always to divide and conquer. That's why there's such an assault on our nation. Do you know the generosity of America, particularly the church, us, all of us as believers, is what funds missions and blessing and, and helps change the world? No nation gives like our nation. Why do you think there's an attack on our nation? I'm not saying our nation is the chosen one to change the world, no, but the church is. The church is. Your marriage is called to bless your family for generations, called to change the world. That's why there's an attack to divide and conquer in your own home and even in God's, and even God's house. Jesus prays the prayer five times. God, make them one, and we can answer it every single day of our lives. Jesus at the Last Supper, it's pretty interesting. He talks to the disciples, and he says, hey, one of you is going to betray me. Now, Jesus knew which one, and that one knew who he was. But I love the response of the other 11 disciples. They said, is it me? Is it me, Lord? Peter like, surely not me. But at least they were, they, were, they were looking inward first. I think sometimes you could show up in a, in a, a church and go to a, a, a kingdom crew, a connect group, and something we're talking about, something's being preached, and you're just thinking, yeah, they need to hear that word. That is a word for them. And you hit them with one of these, amen. <laughs> Preach it, pastor. Are you taking notes? I love the disciples, says, God, is it me? And if you've never had that investigative heart, that heart of humility, that says, am I, am I bringing my best to this church family? Am I judging? Am I critical? Am I cynical? Is there strife? Is there ego? Is it, is it me, Lord? Sure, surely not me, right? God, investigate my heart, David cries, and renew a right spirit. Don't throw me away from your presence. I want to be where you're at. I'm telling you, where God is at is unity. Where God is at is where brothers and sisters dwell together in unity because that is where the anointing oil flows, and he commands a blessing, and God wants to bless your life. This is why unity is so vital to us. It's so, so important. In Acts chapter 2, we have this reverse of, reverse of Babel. We have the, the, the counterpart of the kingdom to what the world tried to do. 
It says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were, they were, all, were together. They were in one accord, in one place. That's the Yashab and the Yakad together, right? They were in the place and they were united. They were in the same house and they were of the same heart. But before they received that, that flow of the Holy Spirit, they were unified. They were unified. And from there, it was catalytic by the infilling of the Holy Spirit. A revival broke out that very night that has ignited the last 2,000 years of God's plan. From 120, they were united in the house and of the same heart. What happened? God commanded a blessing. God poured out his anointing. God poured out his Holy Spirit. And it flowed down to the fringes. It wasn't just for the high priest or for the apostles. It was for the people in the streets. 3,000 give their heart to Jesus that very day and repent and are baptized on the streets of Jerusalem. Listen, unity changes history. Unity changes history. We see it naturally speaking with racial divides and walls coming down, but we see it supernaturally by the spirit of the living God of where God commands blessing and brings anointing when we decide we're gonna change history because we're gonna choose unity. And then Acts chapter two, right after Peter stands up, Peter used to be intimidated when he was alone and someone was asking him if he knew Jesus and really he had nothing really to lose besides the opinions of people. A, a little slave girl says, weren't you, aren't you from Galilee? Weren't you, didn't you rock with Jesus? I, I've seen you before. No, it wasn't me. But here's something's different. Why? Because he's got a new anointing. Here's something's different. There's a, there's a blessing on him. He just experienced this incredible God encounter. And he stands up and he preaches this first like evangelistic kingdom come revival breakout message. But I love what it says in Acts chapter two, verse 14. Peter stood up what? with the 11. With the 11. The 11 were not sitting back waiting. They were standing beside him united. Yeah, he's the mouthpiece. Yeah, he's the speaker. But Matthew wasn't over there thinking like, man, should have, I should have said that. That, that should have been, I could have, that's not even that good of a point. The prophet Joel, it's a good start, Peter, but maybe you should have expounded it a little deeper. No, no, they stood together. And from there, what, a revival breaks out that is still permeating and touching the entire earth. We just talked about a prayer of Jesus. Let's look at a prayer of the apostle Paul. Romans 15. May the God who gives us endurance and encouragement, I, mean, I love that, it's like longevity and energy, give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and with one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. How did Christ accept you when you all had it figured out? When you had finished your Bible reading after 21 days of prayer and fasting? When, how did Jesus accept you? When you looked good? You were kind to people? Did, did, did he accept you on your good works? Or did he accept you when you were wretched? lost, 
hopeless in despair, headed towards an eternity apart from the love of God. He accepted you just as you are. Do we need to grow? Yes. Do we need discipleship? Like, oh, 100%. Do we need to mature in our faith? You better believe it. Do we need to know the word of God and honor the word of God and obey the word of God? Absolutely. But with each other, we accept each other just like Christ accepted us. Does God leave us the same? Does Jesus leave us the same? Not at all. He changes us by his grace. According to his word, it is his will for our lives. But he accepts us just as we are. And we're to have the same heart and same mind. That word accept in the Greek literally means to embrace or to hug and then to walk hand in hand. That we are accepting of each other and we're walking together into our future even when we don't figure it all out and have everything in common, we still have a spirit of unity. Romans 12 says we belong to each other. Different parts, someone's the kicker, someone's the punter, someone's the quarterback, someone's the coach, right? different parts, same purpose, same potential, special functions, but all together we belong to each other. Finally, unity, unity shows the world the validity of our faith, the validity of Jesus at work in our lives. It, it demonstrates to a lost world. A united church shows the world there's a different way. It shows the world filled with infighting, with political attack, with racial injustices and bigotry. It shows the world a kingdom way that we do not have to live according to the culture of tear everyone down, but we can live in the culture of the kingdom, which means unity is our strength. It gives us, it gives us strength. This is why we don't fight about other churches. I pray that I haven't said this a thousand, or, uh, this hasn't been a flow from this pulpit. I'm never here to tear down another church. Well, we speak the truth here like everyone else doesn't. Yeah, there's some movements, there's some church, there's some theology, there's some doctrine that we can call it what it is, but we don't call it out. We don't do it publicly. Oh, no, no, no. That's not our place. You don't jump in in the comment section to have a take. What is that gonna do? It's gonna show the world that we're just like them. We, we live different, we built different, we're called to different. I want the flow of the oil to be on your life. I want the anointing and the blessing of God, even life, that we're in the eternal things that we're fighting for, so we're not fighting with each other. We're fighting over which Bible translation is the right one, and I get it. I understand the importance of that decision for yourself. Why other people don't even have a Bible? Why other Christians, I'm not trying to make this heavy, they're being martyred for their faith, and we're fighting over denominations and style? Guys, we're not of this world. We're of a kingdom. Let the world shake, but the kingdom won't be shaken. Why? Because we're united together, and in our unity, there is strength. John 13, love one another, love one another. A command of Jesus, not an ask. Hey, if you could, 
Hey, by the way, if you got a chance, no, no, I command you. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. He loved the disciples with all their mess and mistakes. Was he frustrated sometimes? Of course he was. But he loved them enough to lay down his life for them, to sacrifice himself. So we're of one heart and one mind. We see that in Acts chapter four. It's like this recipe for revival again and how the early church operated, that they met together to worship. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they were people of the word. They were people of prayer. They were people of big gatherings, small gatherings. Not just Sundays, they got together. They, built, they broke bread together, shared communion together. They even sold their possessions. And the Bible says that no one was lacking. Does that mean you have to go sell everything to give? No, it just means our mindset and our heart is that we're connected to something bigger. And so when God presses on our own heart individually for a sacrifice and a surrender, the answer is yes, because I wanna be where the anointing oil flows and I wanna be where the blessing of God lives. Unity. And at the end of that passage, it says, and the Lord added to them daily those being saved. Maybe it wasn't the revival of Acts chapter two with 3,000, but it's the daily growth of God's kingdom. Unity gives us strength to do something significant, the eternal. Daily, those being added to the faith. We're gonna live different this year. Oh, 2024 is a great year to practice what we're preaching. It's a great year. I don't know if you know this, but in November, there's an election. I know, it's a new surprise. And the fighting will get intense. But just maybe, before we call out or cancel someone, we could just get on our knees for a moment and say, God, give me a right response. Give me a right spirit. Help me serve, help me love. And if I got an opportunity to speak the truth in love, I'll do it. But only if you press it on my heart, because that's not really the goal line. Who gets in office in November or the next inauguration is not the goal line. The goal line is who gets into heaven. And I want everybody, the will of God is that none would perish. And we say God's gonna accomplish his will. Well, do people perish? They do. Because why? He's wanting us to get united, to be about the same heart and same spirit, same mindset as Jesus. Why? So that we can be anointed to change the world. And there's blessing, even life forevermore. Stand to your feet. I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for every heart. Let this message be more than a pep talk. Let the scripture, like it says in the word, it cuts through all the noise, the nonsense, it divides the attitudes and behaviors of our heart. Let your scripture, as we leave here, not my energy and not my points, but the power of your Holy Spirit investigate our hearts. What needs to change? What needs to go? Where has it been gossip and strife? Where do we need to ask ourselves to Jesus, even maybe in a week of prayer and fasting? Is it me? What do you want to change in me? Before you change them, God, change me. Change me first. God, I pray over this house. I pray over this church family. We want to see a move of God. We want the anointing to flow. We want the anointing to flow. Not just my, my, my life, no, on every, every life. And let it impact our city. 
Let it be for the eternal, even life forevermore. Let there be a commanded blessing on this house and every husband and every wife and every family and every individual in this local church. And let it flow from this place to our city and to this nation. Thank you, God, for what will happen in our future when we make the daily decision to choose unity or choosing strength. Stay in this moment of prayer. Big question, biggest question you will ever answer. Are you united with Jesus? Are you united with Jesus? At the cross, he's given every one of us an opportunity to say yes to not just having him around our life on a Sunday, but have him in our life, in our hearts, speaking to us, leading us, guiding us. It starts with the decision to receive that gift of his grace. There's some people in this room that you don't know right now in this moment if you're right with God. And this is your opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to get united with his forgiveness, get united with salvation, get united with his grace. Some of you have prayed the prayer and you know you've been disconnected, disjointed. Maybe it's even frustration with people that's pushed you away from him being first in your life. It's time to come back home. It's time to put him first. Put him on the throne of your heart because he's King Jesus and that's the only place he'll sit. If that is you, no one looking around, just you and Jesus. If that is you and you need to get right with Jesus, you need to be united with him. Come back home to putting him first in your life. No one look around. We're going to pray a prayer. One big, we're going to pray a united prayer. One all together. One mind, one heart, one voice. We're going to all say this together. But if that is you, it is a personal decision that no one else can make for you. If that's you, with no one look around you and you say, Pastor Kyle, I need a fresh start. Would you just lift up your hand today? Maybe it's you online. There's one, there's two, there's three, there's four. There's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Beautiful, beautiful. Thirteen, fourteen. I might miss a hand. God does not miss your heart. God does not miss your heart. I see you, sir. That's awesome. Never too late. See in the very, very back. That's awesome. Proud of you. 17 plus people are so said yes to Jesus. Come on. Church, let's give them a round of applause. Because guess what? They got a long life serving God ahead of them. But that's the end zone. That's a goal line. Getting them across this place and on to the purpose of God for the rest of life. Can we pray this prayer all together as one family? Come on, say this with me. Let's say it loud. Let's say it with expectancy. Say, thank you, God, for loving me. You sent Jesus to save me. I can't save myself. I'm too far gone. But you reached down from heaven, picked up a cross, died for my sins so I could be forgiven. I turn from my old ways. From this moment on, you're first in my life, and I'm going after you. Grow me. Speak to me. Fill me with your presence. I'm going after you. In Jesus' name. Amen. And a united church says amen. Love you, church.